as hell and I wanna get ill So I go to a place where my homeboys chill Fellas out there trying to make that dollar I pulled up in the 6-4 Impala Alright everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Bored as Hell podcast I'm Adam McDonald with Big Shiny Robot I am Andy Wilson with Big Shiny Robot And we're joined by two special guests We've got Brooks Bird from Ascend Nerd's Real Voice Hello And we have that always fabulous Brooke Heim Hello Yay! Yay! We've got three movies. Uh, we've got Gods of Egypt, Eddie the Eagle, and Triple Nine. Uh, now, Gods of Egypt, I had to work through because work is killing me right now. Because you're lucky. Oh, apparently. Yeah. So, uh, Brooks and Andy, you guys both saw this, and I think, Andy, you might have liked it a little bit better than Brooks, so... It was bound to happen. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Give us, uh, give us your rendition because you'll probably be kinder. <laughs> and good morning... Ball drinking mimosas to the Oscar. So let's start off we'll on trying to be cheerful. A somewhat chipper mood. I I don't. Me saying that I liked it a little more than Brooks is only because I know how much he detested this. This is this is a really terrible movie. Let me tell you all of the reasons that it's bad as quickly as possible, so we can talk about good movies. Yeah, sure. I know we I could see. We could talk for a half hour about all of the things that are wrong with this movie. I would assume because it has uh, British Egyptians. Uh, that is a major part of it. So, actual Egyptians were harmed in the making of that film. Yeah, no, no actual Egyptians were in this film, so that's kind of perfect. Um, Barry will be sad. <laughs> but supposedly, uh, this is about the the gods of Egypt, uh, their their ancient mythology. Uh, the sun god Ra and all of his many children. Uh, the problem is it so deviates from those actual stories. And instead, the film starts with the story of two mortals, Beck and Zaya, a young thief and his beautiful girlfriend who wants him to believe in how good the gods are. And they're going to go to the coronation of Horus, who is uh, played by Nikolaj Coster-Waldo, who we know from uh, as Jamie Lannister from Game of Thrones. So he's, uh, he's Horus, uh, the winged eagle god of, of the air, uh, he is about to be crowned king uh, from his father Osiris, no. and uh, in comes his uncle Set, uh, played by a, a, a yeah, a, a very angry Scotsman, Gerard Butler, who who comes in, uh, murders his brother Osiris, uh, steal <laughs> steals Horus's eyes, and takes over takes over the throne and banishes Horus. Uh, everything looks to be bad, and of course, uh, the the chipper mortal has to work with the god to uh, take back the throne, and, and really, who gives a crap? Um, it, it goes from bad to worse from there. About two, two-thirds of the way through the movie, I just sat looking at the screen going, Really? Really? This is what's going on? Uh, It culminates in this final ridiculous action sequence that I I literally started dozing off for a second there. It's supposed to be big and it was it was that boring. I woke my I, I, I woke myself up and I actually found my mind wandering thinking about a more efficient way 
to fill out my timesheets at work. That's, that's, th- there's no excuse for boring. And on top of boring, the film is misogynistic. It's, uh, yeah. I mean, all of the terrible, all of the terrible tropes of bad Hollywood movies, women are killed and depowered in order to further the storyline of the male characters. Uh, the women are not developed. It, uh, and, and the men treat the women horribly. Uh, we already talked about the issues of cultural appropriation and uh, the fact that there are no Egyptians in this film. Uh, and on top of all of that, uh, you you notice in here, I haven't once mentioned one of the most important of all of the Egyptian ooh, gods ooh, or goddesses. Yes, the god of biscuits. No, uh, Isis, uh, who is the you know the goddess of wisdom, and uh, it's it's said that her tears over the murder of her of her husband are the things that that flood the Nile every year and and bring the fertility to the valley. Um, I wonder why they're not talking about Isis. I understand that. (laughs) But at the same time, come on. On Downton Abbey, the dog is named Isis, and no one has had a problem with that. We can be grown-ups here. They're they're taking the easy way out, and and the two screenwriters behind this, uh, Matt Sazama and Burke Sharpless, should be dragged out and shot, and not allowed near a word processor for years after this. The director Alex Proyas, I give him a little bit of a pass because of how much I love Dark City and The Crow, but man, you gotta step it up from here, buddy. Um, you're you're dealing with a terrible script, and I get that, and you can't elevate it much beyond that. But you made a lot of really terrible decisions in the directing here. Uh, yeah, this is I, mostly unforgivable. It was. Yeah, you were telling me yeah, like it was. I like, also fell asleep multiple times, woke up, and it was the same scene. And I was thinking seriously. Yep. Is over. Yep. <laughs> I mean, you, you text me you got a theater out of work, and you're like. I, I feel bad for the fact that there are worse movies that will come out this year because this is absolutely terrible. I fear whatever else is worse than this. I seriously do. Wait, does Adam Sandler have a movie this year? Or? I don't think he does because oh. he signed up for Netflix, so he doesn't count anymore. Thank you, Cyrus. Yeah, no. Like Transformers. God's angry. You won't like them when they're angry. You won't like them anyway. I, I love that the god of wisdom, uh, Thoth, who is played by Chadwick Boseman, normally great, is insufferable and stupid in this movie. <laughs> Instead of actually being wise, it's just like, what the, the... That in and of itself says almost everything you need to know about this film. No, no, no you forgot to mention Ra, son of the... God of <laughs> And his spaceship! Oh, yeah. You forgot the spaceship. What is God with the spaceship? So that tells you everything right there. <laughs> uh, you know, Jeffrey Rush seems to understand how bad this movie is and is really cheesing it up. Uh, it, it's it's kind of terrible, but it's... it's... Pixels, where does it fall? <laughs> I would rather sit through pixels in 4K and 3D on a loop. I mm, it's pretty close. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't. I, 
I think it would change from day to day which of these I liked a little bit better. But oh, yeah, good therapist. I am weirdly not in the I despise pills with every ounce of my being club, but this one is so much worse. Shame. Yeah. Yeah. No, but what, here's what I don't understand. They took all of the money for this, and they obviously spent a ton of money on CGI effects for this. It looks terrible. Some video game designers clearly had their work cut out for them. Well, that's the thing. I've seen way better graphics on video games than on this, and not even, like, big studio video games. That's not even counting, like, The Witcher. This is, like, AAA and indie titles that look better than this. It's it's just unforgivable when you have a great visual director like Alex Proyas, and and you wasted all of this. So uh, I'm I'm at one out of ten. Brooks, oh, you brought it even further since last we talked. Well, and I'm just gonna <laughs> what I gave it on my written review a big old fat zero. Zero. Yeah. Like, yeah. So, so if we take anything away from this, Gods of Egypt is a pile of crap and, and not worthy of said studio piles. So go see Deadpool. <laughs> go see Deadpool. Yeah. And everyone go, is go see Deadpool. Or you can go see Eddie the Eagle, which is actually what we're going to talk oh, about. Yes. And Brooks, why don't you tell us a little bit about Eddie the Eagle? Pretty simple. It's a biopic. What is his name? Michael Edwards? His real name? Yeah, I think so. They call him Eddie because his last name's Edwards. And all he wants to do is grow up to become an Olympic athlete. And his dad just wants him to join the... Wants the masonry. Yeah. yeah, whatever he's doing, working. He wants him to be blue-collar like he is. And his mom wants to fund his dreams with every last penny that they have in the house. And eventually he takes off on his own and he winds up being coached by the wonderful Hugh Jackman, mm-hmm. who finally looks like he's having fun in a Exactly. Movie. And who we meet as a drunk, drunk plow, like a snow plow. Snow plow. Yeah. It's like Mr. Plow, but not I would take him that way. <laughs> yeah, you take him. I, I would too. <laughs> and together they will find his dreams of becoming the first well, the record-breaking British ski jumper. Yeah, so the story uh, Taron Edgerton, yeah, Edgerton who we all know from uh, his exit from Kingsman. Yay! In this role, he put on weight, he uh, full-on jetted out his chin down with underbite, uh, almost ah. unrecognizable at first. Like, yeah. he's, he owns this role. He's perfect. He's so good. Um, but yeah, he's a his goal is to go to the Olympics, and he finds out that England hasn't had a, a ski jumper in, but 50 years. And since, like, the 20s? So, he always wants to go to the Olympics, so for him to qualify, he has to just make a jump. That's all he has to do, is make a jump and he'll be in. So, he has to go into the Olympics uh, in 88 Calgary, the same time as Cool Runnings, which there actually is a... There is a joke. There is a joke. Um, he becomes the worst ski jumper in the history of the Olympics ever. But record-breaking for Britain. Record-breaking for Britain. And it's just, it's so much fun. I haven't seen a movie in a long time where I just smiled the whole way through. I mean, this is, this Delightful. is 80s through and through. I mean, there's montages, there's crappy synthesizer music. It's just, I laughed, I smiled. It felt like an 80s film. It, exactly. Especially yeah. with all of the skiing involved. Because how many ski movies did we get? Oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Totally. But it's, it's so much fun and it's so rare to find a movie that's just so happy with itself. I mean, there's it's very family-friendly. It's PG-13 for one stupid scene, which honestly should have probably got a PG rating. It's probably PG. I can't even remember what it was. Yeah, that's the that's the lightest PG-13 movie I've seen in a long time. Yeah, yeah exactly. it's a smoking aspect because that's naughty. Um, this is a great family movie 
You'll have a ton of fun. Uh, just go see it. It's it's a blast. It is worth it. Yeah, I you know, if anything, it's a little bit paint by the numbers traditional sports hero story. But Edgerton and Jackman are having so much fun here and they're so charismatic. You have to watch it. It's it's just enjoyable. And you come away feeling like, hey, you know what? This is one for us little guys who maybe we're not the best in the world at everything, but we do what we do and we work hard at it. And there's something special about that. There's something special about following your dream, even if that dream isn't to be like the best ski jumper in the world, just to be like, I'm going to take my shot and I'm not going to miss it. That's awesome. There's a great scene in the movie where uh, Hugh Jackman you know, is his coach and he doesn't want to be his coach. He's been drinking and the whole thing. And there's a scene where he actually gets into the Olympics, Tara Edgerton does. And he's like, no, no, wait, don't go now. We'll come back in 92 and we'll win. And, you know, Eddie is like, no, the whole point is we've worked this hard. We've done so much. I just want to go. I'm not there to win. I'm there to compete because the whole point of the Olympics when when the Olympics started over again was it's not whether you win or lose. It's the fact that you want to win. And that's what you want to do. And it's really cool seeing the the evolution of Hugh Jackman's character, who really wasn't a real person. He was based on all the different coaches that Mike Webber's had. Um, But... Again, it's charismatic. It's fun. It's and, joyful. And and we can't we can't forget about the obligatory uh, Christopher Walken <laughs> cameo. Oh, so wonderful, yes. <laughs> that was so amazing. He just you know it's your it's your Walken. He walkens into this movie and he just like owns it for two minutes and like totally changes it up and then takes off and it's just oh it's it's just a lot of fun and. Uh, that, that's what this this movie all comes down to. It's fun. It's not life changing, but you go in and you feel good about things. Yeah. So what's that? Uh, I'm at like a seven and a half out of ten. This is, this is a good movie. Go see it. Give it a full eight out of ten. Actually, I'm at an eight too. I mean, it's not perfect. It's not going to change your life. No. But you just it's you know, good for time. for a February movie. Oh yeah. This is. You know, <laughs> I was like, ah, oh, crap. Then I was like, oh, well, it's Hugh Jackman. Uh, Michael Vaughn produced, yeah. so he's Matthew Vaughn. Matthew Vaughn, sorry. The moment I saw Matthew Vaughn involved, I'm like, okay, Shame. we'll at least Shame. Uh, we'll at least be in for a decent movie, but it was fun. Yeah, it was just a good time. Yeah, and sometimes that's all you need. So apparently, the good time I missed out on because in work, <laughs> um, Triple Nine. I, I've heard this is a fun movie. Um, it's like a heist movie or something like that about a cop killing. It, it sounds like something happened in Salt Lake last night. I don't know. It's um, it's really complicated. Let me see if I can run down exactly what this plot is. It's a little bit labyrinthine. Okay, so you've got this crew of guys, uh, and they are out doing very specialized bank heists and other heists. Uh, they're ex-special forces, some of whom ended up uh, in in the Atlanta police force. Uh, the head of the team, uh, played by Chiwetel Ejiofor, also has a kid with the sister of the wife of a Russian mob boss, Wonder if that Woman. makes any sense. Yeah, it's Gal Gadot, who's going to be Wonder Woman, and, uh, and the mob boss's wife is Kate Winslet. And this mob boss is so bad, Putin is scared of him and threw him in a gulag. Putin's scared of him. He wrestles bears, though. 
Exactly. So he's so scared of him, he's in a gulag. And Kate Winslet's like, we got to break him out. In order to do that, she's actually working with the feds and figures out if we can get these key pieces of evidence uh, and make them disappear, then we can get him out of the gulag. So I need to get my husband out of jail. So I'm going to use my leverage against these guys and make them go out and steal this stuff for me. The last thing that they have to get is held in the secure Department of Homeland Security uh, vault in downtown Atlanta. And they're like, there's no way we can get in and out of there. Uh, The cops will be there in two to three minutes unless we get a triple nine to happen, a cop shooting, and we do it on the other side of town. We engineer it so everybody rushes out there and no one notices that we're that we're doing this so that'll give us about 10 minutes that'll be enough time for us to get this get in and out um they decide to set up uh one one of the one of the team who's played by anthony mackie uh he has a new partner played by casey affleck and he's a new transfer into the precinct uh he had previously been out in the suburbs and they're like, Oh, rookie greeny, whatever. Uh, so this guy's going to be their patsy. They're going to set him up and they're going to kill him. Uh, however, his uncle is one of, uh, Atlanta PD's top detectives and is played by Woody Harrelson. And he starts putting all the pieces together. Uh, this plays out in a very interesting fashion and with a lot of twists and turns and it's it's just so interesting because yeah there's some heists going on but there's also a lot of character development and character interplay and where all of these different people go uh the relationship between mackie and affleck is really interesting and how the two of them work those dynamics together is i think just brilliant once again uh for the second time in like a month and a half we see casey affleck taking a you know, pretty underwritten role and beefing it up and making it something really, really watchable. And uh, so I'm really proud of uh, what they did here. This was everything that Gods of Egypt was not. It was fun. It was well plotted. Yeah, you know, there's probably some holes in there, uh, but we can forgive it because it moves along and it there's a lot of the action sequences are tense and there's a sense of human drama on top of all of it even if a lot of the action and a lot of the performances okay pretty much all of the performances are really over the top uh, so uh i i had a great time with it brooks what did you think oh i completely agree that thing is intense to say the least edge of your seat i mean all of the cliches come out it's just it's <clears throat> And John Hillcoat finally directs his most mainstream movie and proves that, you know, the proposition, for some people, the road. I mean, the man knows what he's doing. I may have hated the road, but this movie is really good. I've heard some people say that, I haven't seen it yet, it's on my list, which I'm growing because of the work. I've heard some people say that the plot's a bit over-convoluted. Is that Oh, yeah. It is, and these movies always are. Yeah, that's okay. Just 
I think if you go in, you don't have to know a whole lot and basically just be like, okay, yeah, they're trying to get a thing. It's a MacGuffin. It doesn't really matter. And are they going to succeed in killing Casey Affleck or not? Like that's, I think that's all it really comes down to. (laughs) Cool. So what do you guys give it? Uh, I'm at like an eight and a half out of 10. I like this a lot. I probably, yeah. Eight and a half, that sounds good. Because eight seems low, but nine almost a little too high. Exactly, exactly. Uh, but I, you mentioned The Proposition. I, I love that movie. That's that's great. That's and one of the best westerns in forever. Yeah, in a long time. It's really great. Cool. So, you know, overall, pretty good movies this week. I mean, we had one stinker, but... No one cared about seeing it anyway. Yeah, no one, no one cared about that. One stinker a week isn't bad, so no. our recommendation is Eddie the Eagle, Triple Nine. Go see him. You'll have you'll have fun with one, and you'll be you know intrigued with the other. I guess the way to go about that. Um, yeah. So that's it. Uh, next week we've got uh, Zootopia, which is Disney's newest movie. Yay! And Yay. then uh, have London Has Fallen, which was the sequel <laughs> to Olympus Has Fallen that no one asked for. So, I did. Um, <laughs> uh, you know what? Is the best Die Hard sequel we've gotten since the then third. You are welcome. Hey, I like the fourth Die Hard because I'll give it a good review. Yeah, I like the fourth Die Hard. Someone's um, got to. I'm I'm always glad to see Aaron Eckhart, my fellow BYU Cougar, out there working. So you know. <laughs> so hopefully it'll be good. Um, you know, again, sometimes you just need to turn your brain off popcorn movies. Just the to, first one was exactly. So yeah, we'll see. Uh, and also, tonight is Oscar night. By the time you hear this, yes. it'll be past. So again, we talked about this last week, so we're not going to go in detail. But we do want to go on record as saying these are our picks for Oscar. So again, this is the thing we think they should win. This is who we think will win. So best picture, Revenant. Best director, Inuritu, for The Revenant. Best actor, DiCaprio. Best actress, Brie Larson, for The Room. Best Supporting Actress, Elisa Vikander for Danish Girl, although she should have been nominated for Ex Machina. Best Supporting Actor, uh, Stallone for Creed. Yeah, well, that's, again, that's what we're going with. And uh, Best Cinematography is Emmanuel Lubezki for Revenant. So uh, next week we will actually have a chance to kind of break down the Oscars, discuss who won, get got snubbed. And on that note, hail Satan, and have a lovely afternoon.
Singing in the dead of night Take these broken wings and learn to fly All your life You were only waiting for this moment to arise I believe I might be of service You were only waiting for this moment to arise have been and always shall be your friend. <laughs> 